being here, and I know things look a little different up here. I don't really have my pulpit, podium, whatever you want to call it. I'm preaching from this little stand um, for multiple reasons. One, uh, if you just if you know me, you know I'm probably more comfortable in this setting, um, and I am. Uh, I enjoy uh, not having as much restraints. But two, um, normally I have a bunch of notes that I put up there and I read as I go by. Well, this week I only have this because. Uh, Friday, when I got stunned by this thing, uh, Friday and Saturday, I couldn't write or type uh, too good. So Sarah had to write it out for me, uh, as I told her to, and I wasn't going to make her write out a bunch of pages. So uh, we got little notes today, um, but a good topic uh, to discuss and um, excited about this subject. And if you see on the screen, you see three scriptures, you see three really long scriptures, and we're going to cover all three of them. Um, but we're going to start with Matthew chapter 26. Um, and I just wanted to start by explaining why we're discussing this. Uh, we see in just a minute we're going we're gonna to read this, but um, Christ is he's meeting with his disciples uh, in the upper room um, for the feast of uh, Passover. And whenever he's doing this, in the middle of it, he, he takes a break and he implements this thing now that we partake of in the church called communion or the Lord's Supper. Um, in the church today, they either consider it, they either call it an ordinance or a sacrament. Uh, and really what that means is it's something important that we do that was commanded by Christ in Scripture. Um, but this is an important thing to, as we look at the time of the year that we're celebrating, when we think of Easter, um, we actually see that the day, the, the, the day or night after this would have taken place is when Judas went to portray Christ. So this is just a part of the story of, of the death and resurrection of Christ that we're going to look at this morning. And I'm excited about it. This is a subject of mine that I enjoy. Uh, so I'll try not to talk too long about it. But let us pray as we get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you so much for this day, God. We thank you for just all that you are, God, and all that you, you, you are to us, God. And we just pray right now that as we look at your scripture and we look at your word, God, that... Um, we remember what it is that you went through. God, we remember the death that you, you took on the cross for our namesake, God. The, the beating and the crown of thorns and the marching through the city and hanging on a cross, God, in the, the, the desert heat, God. Something that we deserve, something that, that we were going to have to do ourselves, God, but you chose to do it for us, and we thank you. We thank you for that, God. And I just pray this morning as we reflect on this last supper that Christ had with his disciples, we remember the representation that both of these things mean. We pray this morning that you open our hearts and our minds to your words, God. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Matthew 26, 17 through 26, if you were there, uh, read it along with me. It might be a different translation, but uh, it'll be all right. It says in verse 17, now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where, shall, where, where will we have the prepare for you to eat Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. We're going to pause right there. We'll pick up in just a second in verse 20. Uh, so we see this foundation of this historical story that we have is that Christ and the disciples are discussing where they're going to have Passover at. Uh, in a minute, we're going to look at Passover, but Passover was um, 
it was this thing that they, the Jewish church, the Jewish people, they observed every year. The same time every year they, they took of this feast in memory of Passover. All right, and so we pick up in verse 20. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and they were eating. And he said, Truly I say to you, one will betray me. And they were, and they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for the name if for for the man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So in this, we see that Christ is addressing the one that's going to betray him. And he tells them that one's going to betray me, and it's the one that dipped his hand in there with me. And Judas knew which one it was, and that's why he asked this. But we see this statement by Christ. It says, the Son of Man will go as written of him. That this was the plan from the beginning that God had planned for one of the twelve to, to um, turn him in, and this was what was supposed to happen. But he says, but... It is bad for him anyway. It had been better for this man not to be born. And so what we see in this so far is that Christ and his disciples, they're sitting down together and they're taking of um, the Passover meal, this meal that they would have taken over each year, year after year. But this would have been Christ's last Passover meal together with the disciples. And he's sitting back and he's relaxed. He's telling this, he's, they're, they're taking of this meal, and this would have been a long endeavor. They would have talked about things, they would have discussed things. And, and then in the middle of this, he tells them what's, what's about to happen, that Judas is about to turn him in. But then in verse 26, I'm not going to read it yet, but 26 through 30, we see that Christ, he implements the Lord's Supper. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but if you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Um, when you think of the when we think of communion, um, it's very important that we take a look at what the Passover is, um, because this is what Christ was doing in the middle of this. He was taking over the Passover, but then he goes into this and he and he gives this church this new ordinance called the Lord's Supper. And so let's see the importance of it. Before I get into twelve, I actually want to read verses uh, four, five, four and five out of chapter chapter eleven. He said, said, so Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go into the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. For the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all of the firstborn of the cattle. Um, that's very gloomy, I know, uh, but it's setting the story of what's going on is that Moses uh, he's, he's been called by God to go to Pharaoh and to, to, to preach, to present God's word to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will let the Israelites go. And this right here is the tenth of the, this is the tenth and last plague that happens uh, to the, um, the Egyptians. Um, and the other nine were pretty rough, but this is the worst one of them all. That God says, look, if you don't listen to me, if you don't obey me, if you don't let my people go, then what's going to happen is the, the angel of the Lord is going to come in and he's going to destroy all the firstborn of the, the people, the animals, everything. Um, but the, the thing about this statement here is that this, this was not only to the, the, the Egyptians. That if the Israelites wouldn't have obeyed God in what we're about to discuss, the same thing would have happened to them. 
So let's look at verse at chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell me, tell all the congregation of Israel, that on the tenth day of this month, of, um, every man shall take the lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he will take the nearest neighbor, shall take according to the numbers of the persons. According to what each eat shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be with a blemish, without blemish. The male, uh, a male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs on twilight. Um, I'm going to pause there. What we see is that Christ, uh, that God is talking to Moses, is informing Moses and Aaron to, to tell the Israelites this, that they should take on the 10th day of the month this lamb that is a year old that's a male and without blemish. It could come from the goats or the, or the, the sheep, and they should take this lamb, and they should take it, and he's about to tell them what to do with it. Um, but I want to make a note that if there's a specific time and day that, 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 that God had told them to do this. And this is what Jesus is observing in, in the story that we read earlier, that Jesus is observing the Passover meal. And then verse 7, they shall take of the blood and put it on the doorpost of the lintel of the house by which they eat it. You shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs and shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it in the head with its legs and its inner parts. And then you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with the belt fastened and the sandals on your feet and the staff in your hand. And you shall eat it and hasten the Lord Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt. Both man and beast and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14. This day shall be for you the memorial day, and you shall keep its feast to the Lord throughout the generations as a statue forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Um, we see this as a commandment of God to keep this, but we don't do this anymore, right? We don't, we don't meet together for a week. We don't take a lamb. We don't slaughter it. We don't uh, roast it over a fire and eat it together, right? So, so what we see is that Christ is actually replacing this for the Christian church with the Lord's Supper, with communion. And, and we see in this uh, situation that, that God is telling them that they're about to, the angel of the Lord is about to go over the post and they're going to destroy the firstborn of all unless what? Unless there is blood around the doorpost of the home. And if the, if the angel of the Lord sees this blood over the doorpost of this lamb without blemish, then he will pass on and he will not destroy them. And when we think of this and we think about what Christ is saying in connection to, to um, the Lord's Supper or communion, the Last Supper, what we see is that Christ is ultimately telling us that he is that. That He is the Lamb that's going to take a, the place of this Lamb that would not last forever. And I'm going to read a quote by a guy named J.R. Sproul. It says, In essence, 
Jesus was saying, I am the Passover. I am the Paschal Lamb. I am the one who will be sacrificed for you. It is by the blood being marked over your doorposts of your life that will escape the wrath of God. So he said from now on, this is my blood which shed for you for the remission of your sin. And, and I love this quote, and, and it's so perfect for what is going on here. And that is what Jesus is saying. In a minute, I'm going to read it. But he, he takes the body and he takes the blood and he says, this is my body, this is my blood. And he says, this is you do in remembrance of me. And what Christ is saying in this moment is that I am now the, the, the blood over the doorpost of your life, that when God sees the blood of Christ, then he will pass over you with wrath. The wrath of God that is meant for us will pass over us because of what Christ has done. And that right there is, is such an amazing thing that, that God would send his only son for this. But let's look at verse uh, back at Matthew 26. If you're looking at it with me, verses 27 through 30. Well, 26 through 30. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So the first thing we see is that Christ, um, and I know this isn't actual bread, this is just a cracker, um, but he, he takes this, this bread and he breaks it and he passes it to the disciples and he says, Look, I want, you to, I want you to take and I want you to eat of this for this is representation of my body. And they did this, and we see this, and ultimately what this means is that the, when we read Isaiah 53, that the, the body of the Christ, of the Savior, would be crushed for our namesake. They would be crushed for our iniquities. And what Christ is saying is that the body of Christ was going to be destroyed for His people. But then He goes on, so none of you get that. I'm going to put it to the side. But then He goes on, and He, he would have passed around a... a Probably something similar to that on the back table, uh, full of um, some kind of uh, liquid from the vine. And he would have, he took this and he passed it around in verse 27. He says, and took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of it, all of you. For this is my blood and the covenant, which is poured out for many uh, for the forgiveness of sin. He says, look, I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm going to, I'm going to die and my body is going to be crushed and the, my blood's going to spill out upon the earth and this is going to be for your namesake. And ultimately, just like Sproul says in his statement, that this what Christ was ultimately saying was that his blood would be marked over the doors of our lives and so that God's wrath would pass over us. And this is what happens is that, that Christ became this sacrifice and, and he's given us this ordinance so that we can remember it. That he, he's, he's been that sacrifice, his body was crushed, his blood was spilled so that we would have forgiveness of sin. And he's sitting with the twelve and he gives them this sacrament and he tells us to do so as well. But then in verse th uh, 29 and 30, it says, and I tell you, I will not drink of it again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out in the Mount of Olives. So Christ is ultimately saying that this would be the last meal he would have with the disciples in, on earth. That, that the, and you read Revelations and you see the wedding feast that, that we'll partake of. And, and you see that Christ is ultimately saying this is the last time I'll, I'll take of this together with you. On this side of this earth. But then in verse 30 we see that they ended with a hymn or a song. And that's not normally when we in communion we sing a song after. So we can reflect on God's goodness. Um, but I want to look at 1 Corinthians this morning as well. 
chapter 11, verses 17. Uh, we may not go through 34. We're actually going to read just different parts of this. But so far, what we see is that Christ uh, was partaking of, of the Passover meal with his disciples. In the middle of this meal, he takes a moment, he takes a break, and he, he breaks the bread and gives the wine, and he says, this is something you should do in remembrance of me. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34, we see Paul is addressing this in the church. Uh, and I'm just going to read 17. He says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. And then when you read 18 through 22, I'm going to skip it. But when you read that, what you see is that the people would come into the table of communion and they would come into it in an unworthy manner. And some were even getting drunk by the wine that was given there. You can't get drunk by this wine. This is grape juice. I'm going in today just so you know. Um, so we don't have to worry about that here. But this was what was going on is they, they were treating it as something uh, that wasn't important, that was lackadaisical. And later on, I'm not going to read it either. Paul says, this is why some of you are sick, that you're taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and you're taking it like it doesn't mean something ultimately. But then in verse 23, for I received from the Lord... I was also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this remember to me. And in the same way, he took of the cup and after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Um, I'm not going to get deep into this, but just a quick summarize of what's going on here is the church is called to partake of the communion together. It's a sacrament of the church. It is the same as preaching the word, reading the word, worship, baptism. It goes into that category. It's a sacrament that the church must do to be a church according to God's word. And, and Paul is expressing and he's explaining how we should do this and what happened on this day. And he says to take it often. Um, now, I'm not going to get deep into that, but... It doesn't prescribe it every week, once a month, every other week, yearly. It doesn't say any of that here. He just says, take it often. Uh, later, we might discuss that and talk about the historical side of things and how often the church has done it in the past. But ultimately, what we see is that Paul is just reaffirming what Christ said, is that we should take of this together. And, but he gives us a reason here. In verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. That when we partake of this together, that we're proclaiming the death of our Lord and the salvation that we have in Him. That we're proclaiming that, that we, we do not have to have the wrath of God for Christ has already taken it for us. Then that's what this is. This is us coming together as a body of believers and we're partaking and we're allowing this to mean something to us. We're allowing this to, re, to, to reflect and that we reflect upon and we remember what Christ has done. That he, he, he did, he, he hung on the cross, his body was broken and tore down for our name's sake. And that the blood that was spilled was for our salvation and for our redemption in Christ and Christ alone. And this is because we had no other way. 
the lamb that we see in uh, Exodus chapter 12, that, that lamb that was a year old, that was a male without blemish, that would not last forever. That was only every year, right? That's why they had to redo this every year because the lamb was not sufficient for eternity. But the lamb that we see in Christ, it was. The verse 27. Whoever therefore eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of Christ. Let a person examine himself. Then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body and eats, the drink, uh, and, eats and drinks judgment on himself. The end of verse 27, he says, an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Paul is he, he's explaining here that we should take of this in a worthy manner. That this should be something serious that we think about, that we, we, we remember the death of Christ. He's not saying here that we should be without sin right before we take it, or that we should uh, always will be perfect in our life, because that's just not possible, right? We're all going to sin, we're going to make mistakes. But he is saying that we should remember uh, of what Christ has done and repent of those sins. Before we partake of this, before we come to this, and then, but also uh, an idea that goes with this is the idea of living in sin, right? Because we can live in sin and be in an unworthy manner in that sin and be in unrepentant sins. When we don't have, when we have unrepented sin in our life, then we shouldn't partake of this. That because what he says here is that we to, we uh, partake of it in an unworthy manner. It will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. That when we partake of this without really considering it and, and making sure that we're where we need to be with Christ, that we are, are, are on the right track, that we're trying to live for Him, that we're trying to do this in God's power. And when we take of this in, in that, then we remember the death and what it means for us. But when we do it in an unworthy manner, then what it does is it causes uh, a punishment, a guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord and I just want you to think about that statement. Uh, guilty to the body and the blood of the Lord. How serious is that? That when we partake of this in an unworthy manner, that we're, just to put it in layman's term, that we're pretty much we're slapping Jesus in the face. And I know that's a very simplified way of saying that, but it is. When we partake of this and we, do, we don't think about what it means and we don't, we don't live our lives like we're called to live, then what we're doing is just, we're mocking Christ. But then he gives us this command. He says, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We're called to examine our lives before we partake of this. We're called to, to repent the sins that may be in our life. We're called to, to examine to make sure that we're a believer in Christ Jesus. We're called to make sure we're where we're called to be, where we need to be in Him. But ultimately, we need to repent of the sins in our life and we need to really reflect on what this means. And this right here is, is what it means. It's what, kind of what Jesus is saying is that He is the body and the blood. He is the Lamb that will suffice for all. This is the Gospel. This is what we should be telling people in our lives. So what we see in all of this this morning is that Christ sat down during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, during the Passover meal, and he's talking with his disciples. And he's, he's saying, I am the blood over the doorsteps of your life. And because of the blood that I am about to shed, that Christ, 
that God's wrath will pass over you. And you have redemption in Christ Jesus because of my blood and my body. And because of that, because of what he's done, we should partake of this together as a church in a regular fashion so that we can remember the death and resurrection of Christ. But we should take it in a worthy manner. We shouldn't take it um, just because it's offered. We shouldn't take it because what if that other person don't see me eat that, eat that cracker and drink that blood? What are they going to think? We should take of it in a worthy manner that Christ be represented in this. I want to read another quote from another guy. It says, In that moment, Jesus gave the church the sacred tradition that is to be observed until the return. This ordinance causes us to remember Him and His work and in doing so to draw near to Him. See, the amazing thing about the gospel and the amazing thing about who we are in Christ is that we always have to draw near to Christ. We always have to preach the gospel to ourselves because we are imperfect, broken, sinful men and women. And because of that, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel daily. We need to remind ourselves of the body and the blood that was poured out on our behalf. I want to take it a step farther and say this is also why we are called to share Christ with people. This should be a reminder to us not only to draw near to God, but to go outside of the doors of the church and share the blood and the body that was sacrificed for our namesake. And that is where we find our hope. That is where we find our peace. So my prayer, or my thought this morning I want to end with, is as we participate with Christ in communion, that we draw near to Him, for He is our only hope for salvation. In a minute, uh, Lynn and Wayne's going to come, and we're going to take of the Lord's Supper together as a church. But before that, I'm going to pray in just a second, and after I pray, they're going to come up. But I want to give us a time of silence. Maybe uh, if you want to close your eyes, you want to keep your eyes open, you want to come to the altar, whatever you want to do. But I want you to really think about what this means. I want you to reflect on what the blood means. It's the blood of Christ and the, the body is the body of Christ broken and that, that Christ was this sacrifice for our life. I want us to reflect on that this morning. But also ask yourself, where do I stand this morning with Christ? Am I, am I going to partake of this in a worthy manner if I partake of it this morning? Do I have unrepentant sin in my life? Do I need to, to come to salvation? Whatever the case may be, I want you to reflect and pray to God in this moment of silence. Because ultimately, I don't know your heart. Ultimately, uh, no one that passes out the cup or the body or the bread, nobody knows your heart but yourself. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Whoever therefore eats of the bread and drinks of the cup, uh, in verse 28, let a person examine himself. He don't say let the church examine you. He don't say let your wife examine you, your husband examine you. He says examine yourself. Let's take a moment of silence and I pray that you examine yourself.
Dear Heavenly Father, I come now and I pray that as we as a church prepare to do this thing that you've commanded us to, this this sacrament, this ordinance, to have awarded, that God, we, we look at our lives and we reflect on our lives, God, and we make sure that we're coming to it at the right reason. We're not coming to it out of tradition. We're not coming to it out of um, there's something you're supposed to do or something because everybody else is looking and what are they going to think if I just hold my cup? If I don't get one at all. God, I pray we don't approach it in that manner, God, but we approach it in the manner of we're reflecting on what it means that you died for us, God. That because of you, that our lives are being passed over by the wrath. Because of you, we will not face eternity in hell because that's what your wrath pours out upon people, God. That we reflect on the fact that Christ hung on that cross and he bled and his body broke for our name's sake. God, I just pray this morning that we really understand what's going on and the importance of this, God. I pray that you forgive me for where I have failed you in explaining it. But I pray that the Holy Spirit does His work and He implements this in all of our lives, God. I just pray right now in Thanksgiving that now we have forgiveness. Now we have hope that we didn't have before. God, that this land will last forever. It's not a yearly thing. It's not a monthly thing. But God, we have a land that would last forever. And because of that, we have hope for eternity and salvation. And that's our only hope. We thank you for that. I just pray now we take it in a worthy manner this morning. In your son's holy name, amen.